episode on the Duan Marrero podcast, episode 164. I have none other than Maryville's assistant varsity uh, boys coach, Myron Jenkins, um, Gary, Indiana native. Uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Oh, man. Pleasure's all mine. I appreciate you taking the time out to talk to me. Man, what's been going on? I mean, you're the new hiree. Uh, shout out to Coach uh, Bo Patton. Shout out to him. Um, great guy, great coach. Yep. Built a wonderful foundation right now at Maryville. What's been Bo's philosophy and what's been you guys' philosophy in general with this upcoming season? Uh, just before I even answer that, let me, uh, you know, just credit the coaching staff and credit the uh, ADs at Maryville for giving me this opportunity. And it's ironic that even though me and Bo knew of each other because we've been training in this game around the area for quite some time, we never even met each other until your camp, the irony of it. And then you told me, I want you to introduce Bo as the guest speaker. It's funny how everything just comes to fruition. But uh, as far as your question goes, uh, we've really just been teaching do your job. Uh, we've been locked in and doubling down on our players' identity and trying to get them to be the best version of themselves. But by the same token, as you're being the best version of yourself, understanding that it's not about you. You're being the best version of yourself so you can make somebody else's life easier. And that's a life concept of what we're trying to teach in addition to basketball because that carries over to life, right? Right. So you look at life and you're thinking, okay, I want to be the best that I can be. But when you make it too much about you, now you're taking away from the fabric of greatness that you have. So we want to be able to get you in a situation or get our players in a situation to where we can translate basketball into life so that they can be great people, not just great players. And I think uh, Bo and I both agree that in itself is more important than any games that we win, although we also believe that laying this foundation will lead to a lot of games being won and building a culture that could be sustained for quite some time. You know, you guys got South Bend Riley yeah. uh, December 3rd basketball season is here you've been watching a lot of teams play who's been some of those teams that's been a standout for you right now I know it's too early to tell but what's some of your preseason teams that you was looking already on your radar first and foremost the deck is a monster right now like there is no easy there's no layups there's no right. layups on our schedule I'm looking at obviously Valparaiso to be tough you know they bring back Mason Jones Jack Smiley's a really great player. They also uh, got a sleeper over there in Alec who was 6'8 mm -hmm. and could play some wing. So they're going to be a tough matchup for us. Uh, we was able to get them in the sectionals, but I know that they're going to come back swinging with a vengeance. Um, I like what Crown Point is doing over there with their uh, no-dribble offense to try to, you know, execute some things and teach some other staples of the game. Uh, Michigan City got arguably one of the best guards in the state in Jamie Hodges. I mean, it's just – Lake Central's a sleeper. Like, it's so many. We can go on and on. I like LaPorte's depth, and, and, you know, they actually beat Riley, and we scouted that game. LaPorte is a very sneaky team. So it's going to really come down to details. When when people say region's basketball isn't what it used to be and in in our community um, in general is down with, with youth basketball, what do you say to that? I say that a lot of those individuals don't understand – what all of this really entails as far as not just being a part of a winning program, but being able to get a kid to lock in like a grown up and they're still learning how to be a boy to a man or a girl to a woman. Right. There are individuals like the pandemic happened two years ago and I don't think we incorporate this enough. Right. For two years, we didn't have any 
anybody could be social to. You, you couldn't go to school. You couldn't develop the social aptitude needed to be able to mature. In addition to education, in addition to if you didn't have access to a basketball court, you're behind. Right. Like, we don't incorporate that enough. And for us to be able to bounce back and see the talent that we're showing and the game that we're playing is a very updated game. It's How updated for, for those that's listening and, you know, they're used to a certain way that Northwest Indiana basketball has been traditionally played, right? right? Illinois, you have a shot clock now. Yep. They're trying to speed up the game over there. But Indiana, we haven't adopted a shot clock. So why is that? I don't know why we haven't adapted the shot clock, but I can tell you that the shot clock does not, not having a shot clock does not have any effect on the style of play because even teams that are known to, you know, be methodical, they're trying to get shots up quick. They're shooting a lot of threes. They're trying to get a lot of paint touches and they're playing to their strengths, trying to, you know, get beeline drives to the basket, play on balance. Like all the teams are trying to accomplish the same things. I think, you know, it's a place of analytics that a lot of guys are studying and saying if we can get these shots and work these shots to the best of our ability, we get a good chance of winning. Uh, it's a trickle-down effect, obviously, from the NBA on down. When you see a team be successful, you're going to want to, you know, adapt some of those staples. How has analytics changed the game? Analytics has changed the game for the better overall, but for individuals who don't understand basketball, it's a slippery slope. So, yes, shooting an uncontested three is a higher percentage shot than shooting a mid-range shot if you don't work on that mid-range shot. That's the key in it. The real definition of a bad shot is a shot that a guy has not worked on and mastered. So, technically, if guys got in the gym more, and got that mid-range shot to a 50% clip. Now they're shooting the percentage that you need to shoot almost as high as a layup and be consistent. And now that's even more of a weapon because you're using a spot on the floor that everyone is giving up and letting you shoot. Right. So it's a, it's a lot of ways you can utilize analytics, not just to follow what's going on and what's hot, but to use it as an advantage. If I know that you're going to give up the mid-range shot, I got my guys in the gym shooting 100 mid-range shots just in case. You it's, went to, you went to produce basketball practice. I did. You guys went as a staff. Uh, Bo Patton took you guys there. What did you see at Purdue practice? And obviously you just saw Purdue upset <laughs> yeah. West Virginia, I believe. Was it West Virginia, Gonzaga, and obviously Duke, right? Yeah. And it's still early in the season, but Purdue's playing as if they're in the postseason form right now. Yeah, they're clicking on all cylinders. It starts with Edie, obviously. I don't think people understand the type of shape Edie is in. For an hour straight, I saw now, how big is Edie? For, for those that just heard of Edie and they're wondering, like, well, who is Zach Edie? <laughs> Zach Edie is 7'3 with no shoes on. <laughs> so he's a legit 7'4", every bit of it. And he's running this floor like a gazelle for an hour straight, nonstop drill after drill after drill, uh, feeding them in the post. He's able to see and find shooters. Uh, the shooters are knocking down shots. I think this team is built specifically around him to be able to either win his matchup or find a shooter that's open. I think that's why the freshmen are looking so good in Fletcher Lawyer and Braden Smith. So those guys are just, you know, playing off of them, and everybody's doing their job. This is not a hard game. It's It's really not. What makes it complicated is the emotions that go into the game because you may not like the job that you're assigned or right. – you may expect it more notoriety for the job that you do. Now you're making the game about you. 
and that's the hardest thing about any team on any level, NBA, college, high school, any, any level. It's so many movable parts that can affect the emotional element of the game to keep a guy from doing this job. Observing uh, Coach Painter's team and, and watching his staff and his personnel, what did you learn and what did you learn from that practice that you take away in your practice now? Uh, greatness is in the details. Everything is about detail. It's so detail-oriented. The smallest things, he would stop the practice and he would correct them on it. And he was talking to us while correcting them on it. Having an assistant coaching staff that is just as passionate and is just as hungry as your head coach so that he could be able to delegate is so important. Um, I don't think anybody really understands what all that entails for a head coach. Right. It's a lot of other factors that go into them just teaching the game of basketball as far as, you know, being a staple of that community, uh, doing those coaches' clinics in which you're taking time out of your schedule for practice to talk to young, aspiring coaches that's trying to get it right. And also, you know, worrying about grades, worrying about parents, just all of the other things take them away from just a simple portion of basketball in which when we see them working that hard, us as assistant coaches, we could just double or triple down on looking at basketball and we can go into those meetings saying, you may not be able to see this, but I could see this based on X, Y, and Z. And, you know, having that trust to be able to have your assistant coaches do that, it's just a whole conglomerate that is working together. I don't think people understand the systematic structure of a coaching staff. And, you know, Brantley deserves all of his flowers because every big that goes there, they end up developing into something special. No matter what the talent level, no matter, you know, what the skill set, height, it don't matter. Like, right. I mean, it's it's a system that they've been playing in. Yeah. You look at the Purdue backcourt, you have uh, Fletcher Lawyer. Yeah. Um, who's originally from Michigan but came to Indiana. And then you have Braden Smith who went to Westfield High School as, the, as your backcourt. And watching those guys buy into the system and know yep. what they can do and cannot do shows that, hey, you don't have to be the most athletic person out no. there on the floor to compete with the Dukes of the world. Of course. Execute every possession counts, and they take care of the ball really well. Myron, you're a huge genius when, I, when it comes to basketball. And obviously, it's our, it's our love of the game <laughs> that we have. Have you ever – did you think that you was going to be an assistant coach at the varsity level so soon? I didn't think I was going to be a coach at all. Um, my plan was to just work Ball U Academy and just be a staple of the area. And my personal goal was to make sure that every class in the region represented for the state title. That's right. what I ultimately wanted to accomplish because I understood and empathized, you know, how hard a coach's job is at the high school level. You only get so much time to practice. You got to make sure kids' grades are right. You got to make sure that their household is right. For those two hours, you have to be hard on them but still give them – some type of leniency and leeway to be able to use basketball as the escape that they have been using it for so long. And on top of all that, you got to put in a system that's going to work. It's a lot going on. So skill development, those things, unless a kid is just really hungry or has a great sphere of influence outside of high school practice, skill development is usually on the back burner. Right. So I wanted to provide that opportunity for kids, no matter what their skill level was, to be able to develop and work on their game without needing to, you know, have in the back of their head, I need this, I need that, just purely working on your game and getting better. So 
I mean, they got me off the couch. Right, <laughs> so right. I was working from home. They got me off the couch. You actually got me off the couch. So, but when Bo gave you that phone call, how did you feel? I knowing the history of Maryville and what Maryville means to the Northwest Indiana community. You want to know something? At first, I didn't know if I was ready for the position. It every phone fiber in my being wanted to say no. <laughs> And then I just prayed on it, and God was like, your assignment is at Maryville. So after that, it was a no-brainer, but it was humbling. It was just a blessing. I mean, you you put the, you know, besides people knowing you as Myron Jenkins, the skills trainer, Yeah. you're rocking a, a, a Maryville apparel now, and, yeah. and people are noticing that. They're talking to you about right. Maryville history. Yeah. What's that feeling like? Does it put you in a different space, and it makes you feel good, like, wow, like, Maryville has this rich tradition, and I'm happy to be a part of it. We just came from a Pacers game, and we met Popovich, and he referred to us as our friends. Like, that's how deep the history is. Who's Popovich? Coach Greg Popovich from the San Antonio Spurs, arguably one of the best coaches in the history of the game, referred to us as friends because of the history of Maryville, the tradition of Maryville, doing things the right way, and, you know, holding yourself to a higher standard on and off the floor. So when you have that type of energy, when you have that type of standard, it makes you want to go a little bit harder than what you probably wanted to go. It makes you want to hold people a little bit more accountable in your locker room. It makes you want to be able to reach out to those kids and just be like, you have no idea how close you are to fulfilling your dream if you could just lock in. Right. The first question Coach Pop asked us was, what players you got over there? Like, this man just got through coaching right. <laughs> against the Pacers. Right. And the first thing he said to Coach Bo was, what players you got? So you already have a pipeline and a platform. If you just do your job and do it to the best of your ability, you already have a network right. waiting for you. Right. And it's not to say that it's going to take you to the NBA because there's a lot of things that go on and making it to the NBA. But, you know, to get paid to play this game or to get paid to coach this game, it's right there. Now, what, what high school did you go to? I went to a uh, work high school. Where's Word at? Uh, Word uh, is in Gary. It's turned into Word Emerson. Unfortunately, it's closed down. What class? Class of 2000. Uh, my head coach was uh, Omar Vasquez, so he has created a great tree of basketball minds. He demanded execution. He demanded perfection. And he's just really just a genius when it comes to the game. So it was real easy for me to pick up the IQ portion of the game. And I learned early as a freshman when I walked in, and right. I saw 6'10 on down. And I was, like, probably 5'5 five, five at best. So I was like, yeah, I'm going to have to figure out another way to right. get on this floor. So, right. you know, just worked on the skill portion of the game and just really wanted to just think the game to where I could be two, three steps ahead of people. And that's how I kept moving forward and overachieving in this game. Like, to be honest with you, this game owes me nothing. I owe it everything because all the things that I wasn't supposed to do in this game as a player, I overachieved and exceeded that. And I feel like I am a living example of what could happen if you just grind if you just go hard and just you know chase greatness and then understand why you're chasing greatness so you was you said you graduated class of 2000 and yeah. now it's 2022 our last month going before we hit 23 there's always been a lot of conversations on how kids now tension spans are very short right. they're addicted to social media um they compare themselves all the time. You can't really hold them accountable. Like Vasquez held you accountable. Right. I think it, it 
you guys take on more of a responsibility as a coach because you guys got to be very you got to be very thoughtful now and yeah. when you give kids constructive criticism how have you been able to deal with giving kids structure and accountability uh just first you got to build a relationship a real relationship um i think the problem with uh generational gaps is one generation doesn't even attempt to understand the other generation. They just like, we did it this way, and I can't understand why they're doing it this way, or I can't understand why they can't do this or do that. Instead of trying to learn and build the relationship and actually listen to what they're telling you. Uh, these kids nowadays are extremely intelligent. Not only are they intelligent, but now they have different platforms and avenues to go to to be right. able to make a successful living. And not have to go the traditional graduate from high school, graduate from college, get a nine to five, retire. Right. You know, if they want to be entrepreneurs, social media gives them that platform. You're a half a degree of separation from, you know, getting to the plug, the proverbial plug. You know, also with social media, you can make it in basketball without making it in basketball. If you do a couple of good moves, Ballers Life may call you and you could just play one on one and make it a living out of that. There's so many avenues that they have. So, the way I relate to them is all of these avenues you have to be able to make make money and, you know, make a great living for yourself, but yet you still choose to be in the gym with us. You must love it. I agree. You have to. So I'm not going to sit up here and say that you don't love it the way I love it. In fact, you probably love it even more because you have other opportunities with us on paper, you know, growing up in the region, you know, sports and entertainment. Right. That's the, the only way we thought we can, you know, get our family out. Now you get your family out plenty of ways, and yet you still choose to play the game. So if anything, it makes me go harder and not just building a relationship but giving them the details that they need because I know I can't BS them. Right. I know they know the real from the fake, so mm -hmm. I go twice as hard in studying the game. So when I explain something and they have a question, I'm patient with answering their questions because I don't take it as them challenging my authority or challenging my intellect. I take it as, oh, I got you because – now you're intrigued. Right. You asking me questions showing me that you're intrigued and in learning the mental part of the game, which is 90% of the game. So, you know, I always hear coaches have a relapse and, and say, well, this is how I was taught, so I'm going to teach <laughs> the kids this way. And the kids really don't process that. Right. What do you say to that when you have coaches that's tried to repeat how they were coached, and you're trying to instill that now into today's era? Um, I would just say it's uh, no different than a player working on their game and putting up a contested shot when they should have probably kicked it. You're making it about you. Right. We can't make it about us. Right. It's not about us anymore. We had our time. We had our our opportunity to do what we did with it. We have been put in this situation for a reason. Yes, we're going to hold them accountable. I'm probably one of the craziest coaches people will ever meet, but I, my crazy is different right? in a sense to where – Bo's crazy. Yeah. Bo, uh, it, Bo, it just Bo comes with it. Yeah, it, it just comes with the, the, the job because you care so much right. and you have so little control. Like, There's a the method to your madness. Absolutely. Per se. Talk about that, like Bo, the energy that Bo gives, that practice that most people don't see. Bo – just wants it so bad for these kids. Like, if <laughs> okay, so we we talk about how things were done back then and things are done now. Bo begs these kids to shoot the ball. Do you know 
where I possibly would have been right. <laughs> if I would have understood that concept. I mean, no, don't get it twisted. Coach Vasquez begged me to shoot the ball my senior year too, but he's begging sophomores and freshmen to shoot the ball. Like when you're open, shoot it. He's begging them to shoot the ball. Right. Do you know how much confidence you have to have in your players, especially your underclassmen and your youth, mm-hmm. to be able to – have to tell them to shoot the ball. And then they talk back, you got to make a run because they're complaining about shooting the ball. Like, no, this is an incredible opportunity. So even though he's extremely passionate and he's going to hold you accountable, he's also giving you opportunity to be the best version of yourself. And, you know, it's a lot of times in which I'm sure, you know, parents, you know, the white noise and, you know, their sphere of influence probably like, yeah, coach holding me back or coach is doing this, coach is doing that. I can honestly say at our practice, if you make this team, you are going to get the opportunity to show what you can do. And you even get the opportunity to work on the things that you can't do to develop it so that you can use it to help the team. The only thing that we really just don't tolerate is making it about you. Let's go to spring and summer, right? You have travel basketball where after you finish with your high school team, you go on to your AAU team and you play various events throughout the spring and summer. What was your experience like being back in grassroots with the gym rats (laughs) and having a lot of the kids here that was local um, on Indy Heat Northwest, coached by Jason Rhodes? You got to experience that. What was that like when you was on the field then and now you're at the varsity level? How do you compare those two, or does it compare? Oh, no, it definitely compares. Um, The way it compares is uh, for AAU travel basketball, you're getting more opportunity uh, to showcase your game in the open floor. Not a lot of zone being played, not a lot of uh, changes in the defense. You know, it's still principles, but for the most part, in AAU, college coaches are there. They want to see if you can guard somebody. So it's mostly man-to-man. Right, And if you've done what you needed to do, you're going to be able to execute against the man-to-man, especially if you have the athletes to get in the open floor, which is why it looks literally night and day sometimes when you see a guy at the AAU level, even EYBL level, go into a high school and he probably averaged 15 a game, and you're like, what happened? Well, what happened is these high school teams, they have some of the best scouts, some of the best basketball minds, and they are going to make sure they're taking away your first – And the second thing that you want to do, they're taking that away. So now you're going to have to be able to figure out other ways to contribute to help your team win. And if you do it correctly, it will eventually open yourself up to do what you do best in the fourth quarter because then they'll have to make an adjustment because you do what you're supposed to do in the first three quarters. Um, But, yes, it's it's different because it's more of a thinking game at the high school level. If I was to make a comparison, AAU basketball is more parallel to the NBA. High school and college basketball is more parallel to overseas. I can see that. I I can see those two parallel. And you have kids who will play high-level elite youth basketball in the EYBL. You have the grassroots circuit. You have the UA circuit. Yeah. Um, When prep when kids go to prep schools and they're not going to your traditional high school, and you talk to parents and they're like, you know my kid wants to go to this prep school. What's your opinion about modern-day prep schools now? Um, My opinion is it is supply and demand. Let's just be honest about this. This is a billion-dollar game. Good and bad basketball is equating to a billion dollars in revenue. So Kids are getting paid now. You got 15, 16, 
17-year-olds when I was coming up at Bowman, I felt like now I could I could make a lot of dough in high school. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you got you know places like Overtime Elite who are taking kids in high school and are not only offering them millions of dollars, but saying if it doesn't work out, we'll still pay for your education to go. I mean, it seems like a no-brainer on you know on paper, uh, but once again, this is where we have gotten to. Right. And then even the G League is now involved. G League and Knight takes kids straight out of high school a little bit more. Uh, not to say that they weren't doing it because, you know, the rule is just, you know, you got to be a year out of out of high school. Right. So you was always able to go to the G League, but now more kids are trying to do that more to be able to get better and help themselves with their game. But my thoughts on it is, once again, it's just a natural progression as to the business of the game. If you look at the NCAA right now, look at the last five teams that won in the NCAA championship. Grown men. Right. So, with the exception of, you know, your top 15 blue chip guys that's one and done anyway, there's not no freshman that's going to come in and just take over a game unless they have the perfect system around them. Right. So, now we got all of these freshmen that are coming in out talented. I mean, all these freshmen coming in that graduated high school, they no longer have that platform to just go on the team, not even NAIA or JUCO. They got to wait their turn. So, now post-grad comes. You know, this is where the prep schools post-grads come give you opportunity to get stronger, get better, and build a relationship to be able to get more schools to look at you and see the best version of yourself, now you get an opportunity to mature, to get ready to play that level. Is that how the, is that how the community perceives Bosco? How do you think they our, should. our community perceives Bosco? They should. I think our community is just focused on what we're focused on. So our community is just – trying to be successful and stay out the way right so yeah we're looking at it as a community as a whole but for the most part you know nobody wants to put themselves in a situation in which you know their livelihood or their character is challenged so they're going to be like oh that's going on great how does it affect me it don't whatever and it's just kind of like a you know out of sight out of mind type of situation what i would love to see though is i would love to see uh more kids who don't have that opportunity to, you know, give Bosco a look because I think uh, Coach Nico over there and uh, Coach Vu is, you know, teaching the game the right way. And it is definitely an option if your kid is serious about playing basketball because the thing about prep schools and post-grad schools, you're working out more, you're focused more on the game. It's not just, you know, two hours and then you're done, so right. to speak. It's – if you really love basketball, this is your chance to show it. But it's a lot of work. And what we're learning is there's a lot of individuals who love what basketball brings to them or love certain aspects of basketball, but they don't love basketball as a whole. And they don't understand that they don't love basketball as a whole because most people don't know what love is. Why do you think the coaches around here are upset, were upset that Bosco started a high school and they felt like, wow, we have to compete now with the prep school, even though when you look at the depth chart of Bosco, they're right. very beatable. Yeah. But I feel like this community didn't embrace something that was new because it wasn't traditional. Because it's new. Uh, everything that comes around that's new, we look at it, we acknowledge it, but we're skeptical because you got to just look at the fabric of our area. How many businesses have closed down? How many opportunities you know, that had the good intentions weren't sustained because of 
the economy or because lack of support or whatever those situations are. I don't think that they didn't embrace it because it's a challenge. I think they think it's a fly-by-night type thing, just like everything else. Right. You know, it's hard to sustain a business. To be honest with you, even with Ball U Academy, like, it took us four years for people to really start to embrace me around the area because they're like, oh, you still around. Correct. <laughs> so it, it, it wasn't anything personal. I never took it personal. I just, you know, worked around other areas to be able to show that I am here to say I'm going to do it for the right things. And, you know, I invested a lot of money into Ball U Academy. I made sure that it, it was not going to fail, but it's the relationship and the consistency over time in which our region will buy in eventually. And eventually, you know, as our kids keep getting better at the high schools, they're going to look forward and, you know, they're going to they're going to enjoy playing against the Boscos because they're going to want to measure themselves up against, you know, programs that are set up that way. Right. I it's, mean, you have uh, the new conference that was formed for high schools, for the powerhouse yep. programs. You have uh, Lalamere. Uh, you have uh, IMG. Yep. You have Arizona Compass, uh, Wasatch, um, just to name, and Sunrise Christian. Right. And they're coming here first week of January to compete. And, and yep. then you have Simeon versus Cathedral out of Indianapolis, Simeon out of Chicago, Illinois. Two rich uh, history uh, programs. That's competing on ESPN. Yeah. And you're seeing the cream of the crop right here up in LaPorte, first right. week of January, January 5th through the 7th. Talk about that level of basketball and how high school has just changed dramatically, right? It's not, and we're not talking traditional varsity basketball. Right. We're talking next era. These kids are lottery picks. Yeah. Well, first off, they won a genetic lottery. That's first and foremost. Um, secondly, I think it's just a lot of individuals that's being fathers to this game again. Uh, I think around the 2000s, that era, you know, skill level went down a bit because, you know, Kids were just trying to figure it out on their own. It was a lot of creativity. It was a lot of individuality in the game and a lot of, you know, uh, panache. But it wasn't a lot of substance because it wasn't a lot of individuals going back and being fathers of the game. Now, in certain areas, there's a trainer on every corner. Right. You know, in certain areas. The training mark is oversaturated. Yeah, the training mark is definitely oversaturated. Now, a kid can go on YouTube and listen to you know, see a training module from a Drew Hanlon or, you know, from the real 94 feet of game, you could feel handy. You could look and see that and then just go and implement and practice it. You know how many VHS tapes I had to tape to learn Iverson's crossover? <laughs> it's like, it's just a different vibe. Right. So now it's like, it's, I think the, the level is increasing because of the access of information also, more individuals going back and being fathers of the game. Uh, I don't know whether it's their intentions are good or bad. That's not for me to discuss. But more people are looking at this as a business, and they're treating it as a business and a brand. And, and the kids are understanding the business of it, and they're treating it like a business and a brand. So, you know, the kids that, you know, did win the genetic lottery or it's fast or it's extremely skilled, because it's not all kids just won the genetic lottery. It's a lot of kids that just put a lot of work in. They're approaching this like a professional. So we have professionals, uh, guys with professional mentality, age 13, age 12. They understand their brand. They understand Instagram. They're getting compensated off playing video games. They are getting compensated off playing video games. They are having lemonade stands, making millions off of that. It's, it's a great thing, but it also could be a detriment if you're not teaching the spiritual maturity. What are the pros and cons of young kids getting compensated? So soon. Um, if you don't understand how money works, 
that's a con. If you're not able to have somebody to keep you humble, that's a con. Because it's no different than looking at a young entertainer or a young actor. Eventually, you're going to grow up. You can't just keep riding the wave of what you were back then. You have to grow and mature into something else and evolve. Right. And you got a head start in life. If you're able to, you know, seek financial, see financial gain at an early age, you got a head start. But that don't mean the game is over. Right. So, you know, when you finally, you know, get the fame, you get the fortune, you get all of these things. Now the big question is, it goes back to spiritual maturity and four elements of spiritual maturity. Who am I? How can I be the best version of myself? How can I use this to help others? And how do I know when something is my assignment and when something isn't? And there's so many people out here who probably can't even answer question one. No, they can't. But for the most part, that's why they got guys like you to give them that direction and, and guidance. And yeah. I think you've been doing a hell of a job Appreciate at, at Maryville thus far. And do you see yourself in the future in, in, in the whole landscape of basketball pursuing a head coaching job at some point in your coaching career? Right now, I'm just flowing in my purpose. Uh, I told Janice that I wasn't going to leave the first year because right. uh, Bo is so good at what he does. All his assistant coach ended up getting another college job or a higher job. So I told him I'm not going to leave the first year. I'm 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 here for at least a couple of years at Bearville. And then after that, if God tells me my assignment is somewhere else, then so be it. But as of right now, I'm just flowing. That's probably one of the um, – the blessings is, you know, I'm in a great place uh, physically, mentally, and spiritually to where I don't feel like I need to go to this next step unless I know that it's God giving me the go to go to this next step. I'm not moving out of a plan that's about me. I'm just moving out of an area in which I need to know what my assignment is, where to go, and who I can help. And just get lost in that. Uh, I remember when I was, um, you know, going through it uh, during the recession. Right you now, I was uh, in mortgages. Uh, I got hit pretty hard. And, you know, I was praying and, you know, a voice just told me, just get in the best shape of your life. I don't know why I was getting in the best shape of my life. I was just working hard, working hard, working hard. And then eventually it opened up Ball U Academy. So, what is Ball U Academy? Uh, Ball U Academy is our, our training module, our organization in which we teach life through basketball i mean yes i love basketball but i understand that we have to keep the game going and when i mean the game i'm not just talking about basketball i'm talking about life the game of life going so it's going to come a time in which i'm not going to be able to do the things that i can do right now 20 30 years from now right so if i could sow a seed right now into these individuals and understand like this is how you get to keep fighting and keep the game going and leave it better than what I could ever leave it because I learned this information too late and I'm giving it to you now. Now we are making the world a better place within ourselves. I can't control what goes on with a billion people. Right. But I can control, you know, the guys that I have influence and the guys that I can impact and I can go hard and make sure that I'm building a realistic relationship with those guys in which Yes, I can hold them accountable, but yes, I can also tell them that I love them and they know it comes from a pure place. Last question I have for you, sure. Myron. What does it mean to you to be more than an athlete? Everything. I think being an athlete is nothing more than just a platform 
to be able to help this world become a better place. Um, it says in the world, what's the two biggest commandments? Love God with all your heart. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. How you love your neighbor, how you love yourself, you first got to know who you are. And then when you love that neighbor, you got to understand I got time, I got talents, and I got treasures that I can leave and give to be able to show my love for that neighbor. So if God blessed me with the ability to be an athlete, I already have an impact and influences on people who enjoy watching an athletic person. So what am I going to do with that influence? How am I going to impact them? I'm going to show them other sides of me. I'm going to show them that I'm more than an athlete because I want to be able to influence the next generation to come. So you never want to just put yourself in a situation in which you're typecast. Because once they typecast you, and you're unable to, because you, in the athlete, you only got so many games in your body. When the ball stops bouncing and you're typecast, then what? They're going to forget about you. Because right. the game's going to keep going. So being more than an athlete is not just something that you should do, you know, for the greater good and for God. It's definitely something that you should do for yourself. Because who wants to be known for something that they did in their past when they have their future in front of them? There we have it. Uh, Maryville Boys varsity assistant coach Myron Jenkins joins us on the podcast courtesy of Tony Panic for producing this podcast mm. episode. I appreciate you so much, brother, and stay tuned next Wednesday. We'll have episode 166. Take care. Take care.